Hello and welcome to Pods Like Us. I'm Martin Quibell, known to my friends as Marv, and this time I'm speaking with Saswati Basu from the podcast How To Be. Hey Saswati, thanks for speaking with me today. Oh, thanks Marv for having me here. Um, and uh, it's good to know that you're Marv, so yes. Yeah, that's fine. I don't mind Martin or Marv's either, either way. There's a whole history behind the nickname, but we won't go there because we haven't got time. What got you initially into these sort of books that are almost uh, life-helping, life-affirming, and basically how to get by in life? I think because I'm also a student of it myself, I needed those books when I was also in that place where you just need to read that kind of self-help type of things. I was in a funk during the pandemic, as a lot of people were. And it just seemed like a really good thing to read, a positive thing to read at a time where everyone was feeling very down. And I was like, oh, actually, there's so many out there that actually maybe I might need to actually help in terms of trying to read them all and, and give some advice for people who want to reach out and find that kind of books. And because there are so many. There are. And before any people watching the video feed of this think about it, do not strain your neck to see the books behind Saswati because they are her partner's books. Yes, that's correct. They're all the arty photography books. So if you're into that stuff, that's all behind me. So you might see some stunning ones up there. Might bring him on for some, if ever we discuss photography, but that's a weird discussion for a podcast, maybe. Indeed. You never know. There's always space for something, isn't it? That's true. So go going from being a, a studier of these books what made you decide then to think do you know what i want to talk to the people who write these books and then base episodes of podcasts on those discussions the thing is that my background's in journalism so i've been in the media field for almost 20 years now and and during that period of time when i started the podcast i was working in a very strange environment because i was in working with counterterrorism and artificial intelligence away from the media environment. And you can feel really detached and helpless when you're watching a lot of sort of terrible things happening in the world. And I was wanting to reach out to people and talk to people directly again. And that's the part of media that I really enjoy, which is doing these kind of discussions and things like that. And I was like, okay, why don't I reach out? to the people who are writing the books because what better than to hear from straight from the horse's mouth why they had those motivations to write that book as well and actually having that insight might help someone else going through something similar so that's why it came about where I was just like actually I should reach out to the people writing the books because I bet you there's so much more behind each book that they're writing so yeah that's how it came about. That's interesting. I'm going to go into a tangent here because when I started this podcast, I was still working through the, through the lockdown that we had mm. in the UK, but the job that I do is very solitary. 
And there was no way you couldn't go and visit anybody because of the restrictions of the lockdown, unless you're a member of parliament, of course, and then you can do it. They said about that, Mr. Hancock. And mm -hmm. so I, maybe in a way, maybe me starting my podcast was a way of me trying to get that almost human interaction in a sense with people, maybe through that way, because all I was doing was listening to podcasts at work in the van driving around. And maybe I just thought, oh, maybe I can make friends with these people or chat with these people and find out what it is that makes them tick. It sounds completely, it seems totally logical because I think a lot of people started pan like pandemic podcasts, probably for the same reason that isolation, the loneliness, the disconnection from one another. And it makes total sense that suddenly you do want your voice to be heard somewhere, not just everything is so quiet during that period, wasn't it? It was so strange. But I, I think it makes total sense that you, like many other people like myself, all started at that time as well, trying to do to make those kind of connections. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So you've started the podcast. W was there any initial trouble with starting the podcast? There is a fundamental problem. I am petrified of public speaking. That's how it started. So basically, it was aversion therapy to force myself into speaking. So what I did, so the first episode, which you'll hear is a total mess, is done line by line, recorded line by line on my phone because I was hyperventilating between each sentence and then basically stitched together without all the breathing in between. <laughs> so you'll see there's a, it was a learning curve. So definitely that was the biggest problem, I think, when you're starting, which was actually speaking. I listened to that episode a long while ago, and I will say that it's not noticeable because you're very good at editing. Oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God. That's one <laughs> skill I've managed to keep from the media. But yes, uh, it had to be done. Oh, it was very bad. Very bad. But yes, hopefully these days it's a bit more polished from the first episode. So it's interesting because the way that you're doing it in, in with a lot of the episodes is that you're having these discussions with these writers, but it's not as what as what we're doing here. It's not like a show that's made up completely of the discussion between you and the author. It's a discussion between you and the author, and then you go in to go out of that discussion and you go behind the scenes essentially of what the book or the writing is about, the history of the person, such as the one I listened to the other night with the person who lost her husband. And mm, the book was based yeah. on that, essentially. And you went into the whole psychology of it and where she was coming from. And you kept going back and forth between that. And I think you had a conversation with somebody else as well in there, thrown in. Yeah. And it was, so it's, it's not just a, almost like us doing Parkinson or a chat show. It's more than that. It's that with these little bits in, because you're introducing people to who the writer is and what her writing is about or their writing is about. Yeah, th th this was really important for me because I realised that it's, there's so many great interviewing podcasts out there already. And I was like, what can I add to this field, which is actually reading the books and then feeding back the information from each of the books so that people can make informed decisions about reading those books? Because in the end, they think, oh, maybe that's actually quite an interesting read. I might go and read that book myself. And so what I do is I completely summarize 
everything that's been read and put into like essentially researched and put together in a way that's just more kind of digestible. And then basically what I realized is that because every episode is themed, to put it out to the wider public about their thoughts on each subject, because I believe everyone has a place and a voice to and an experience in every subject. So it's good to have a sort of a, a different experiences and points of views within an episode so that we're not just having this kind of one tunnel vision with this is what we think and therefore you must agree with us. It's more about everyone has a point of view that's worth listening to. And especially in such a polarized world, it's really important that we have quite diverse thinking and diverse sort of uh, conversations, which is why suddenly you'll get an, another person speaking about their point of view and it might be completely different. And that is the point. So long as people stop arguing with each other, please. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we want to stop, which is everyone should be able to listen to each other without everyone shouting uh, at each other. Um, and that's what we've lost with things like social media. Unfortunately, there's just so much bandwagoning that we've lost the ability to have dialogue. Yeah, I find that, especially with something such as Twitter, which for us is a necessary evil yeah. because of what we do. We use yeah. it for those purposes. But that has changed a lot since its original inception because I remember... Yeah. When I first started on Twitter, which is when it actually started, it was the sort of place where you go to for free discussion and yep. there wasn't any of this negativity that's there that seems to have suddenly appeared over the last a few years, but even more so since a, a, a famous megalomaniac. Um... Yeah, completely. I, I agree with you because I was the same. I joined really early on. And it was fantastic to be able to follow people that you admire and just like the thinking and the thought processes that people were sharing. And this was also at a time where citizen journalism was really big. This was during Arab Spring. So it was really important to have those kind of on the ground reports coming on Twitter. And then very quickly it morphed because I think some actors, some parties saw an, an area where they could exploit the sort of citizen journalism that was going on and therefore suddenly we started seeing bot farms and things like that just appearing and then obviously there's been so much more widespread like interference now with those kind of social media platforms and just recently as you say we've had all the content moderation being removed from these platforms so yeah. it's now just almost impossible to navigate without some form of like abuse on those platforms unfortunately there's a really good documentary podcast that's come out about elon musk by the way if you're at all interested yeah which one that's on musk with walter isaacson oh it's a yes four, of course four-part yeah. series and it's not biased towards him in any way but then again neither is the biography that walter yeah. wrote about him either mm -hmm. yeah that, that, that i was really interested in that because obviously there was so much controversy surrounding that book, Elon Musk, because obviously there were some parts that were had to be rectified afterwards. But then basically it, it's still quite interesting because he wrote it from a very sort of journalistic, impartial point of view, unlike some of the other biographies we've read recently. So, yeah, it was interesting to see that. And especially since Musk is basically always in the news now. But also interesting that Musk has allowed these things in the book and it's authorized by him but there's a lot of negative 
in essence, he's okayed it for him to be shown. It's it quite interesting, really, because I think it's the only time or one of very few times that I know of where somebody has had a biography written about them that has all aspects, negative, positive, and in between. And he's just basically said, that's me, put it out there. Yeah. And it is really brave at the same time as being really interesting. Yeah, I agree. It was really, I think that's why I was, I found it quite unusual that there was this sort of error that was made because obviously there was a bit of fact checking done and it turned out there was just this little bit where it wasn't completely correct. And obviously it got big coverage as a result of that, which was the Starlink uh, relationship with Ukraine. And that's why it was unusual that came about because it had been authorized. So obviously there's just some level of discrepancy, I think, between the biographer and Musk. So it was a strange situation, I think, to follow that. But still interesting. We've gone off on a tangent there about (laughs) that. Hey, it's Rena, host of the Better Call Daddy show, where I interview guests, share the stories with my dad, and then he weighs in. And you're listening to Pods Like Us. The, the research then is essentially reading the books and researching the individual authors as well. Yeah, definitely. The research behind each author is really important because even in an interview, like when you're interviewing someone, it's really useful to have that information behind who you're interviewing. And also when it comes to researching their book, it also puts things into context. It, it gives you a little bit more insight into maybe where they were when they were writing it. And so that research is really important and it has to be in such a sort of, again, easy, comprehensible way for people to listen to. So I think that's a really key part of the process is just making sure those episodes are like upstanding and basically easy to listen to. Okay. And so if we go pull the curtain away a little bit, so let's have a look at, let's look at that episode that I was on about the worm that I was talking about. So. When you were approaching the subject of Tiffany's book, Mm. is it Tiffany Philippou? Yeah. Yep. When you were looking at the subject of her book, what was the way that you built then the episode? What was your actual research in, in, in detail? What did you actually do there? So basically, I actually have a theme in mind before I start an episode. So for example, she was talking about obviously a really traumatic, serious subject which is grief especially in relation to things like suicide and so this is especially during christmas time it's such a big issue in terms of we never we don't really hear much about male suicide mental health and so i went in with that like in mind that i really wanted to cover something on this even though there's so much that could be said so i just went in with briefly with one angle in particular So I looked for books where I thought, okay, this could be interesting. I I did some research around it. And then I went ahead and read books about these subjects. And that's how I came across Tiffany's book. And it was really interesting because obviously she's young herself and it wasn't her husband. It was her boyfriend, her university boyfriend. And it's a sort of strange scenario to be in where you're not married to this person. You don't have, say, the years and years you have, say, with someone you've been married to, but you have that level of grief that no one can understand. 
So she'd been with him for two years, but it basically ruled her life for 10 years after that. And it changed the way she thought, her mental health patterns, everything was like defined by this moment. And it was so tragic. And I was like, this is something that so many people could relate to because processing grief is so different for everyone. And you, there's the way you act up and things like that. It might manifest in really bizarre ways. And it was such a good book in terms of it's called Totally Fine. And that is the, the, that's the general kind of consensus when people ask, oh, how are you doing in a situation like that? I'm fine. Yeah. And so it was really interesting to take that subject and just look further into it. And then the second book I looked at was obviously Joanne Didion's book. Joanne Didion, who is a veteran essayist and beautiful writer, talked about such a tragic loss of a sudden death of her husband as her daughter was dying. And it, it, so I thought these are really hard subjects to look at, but I think really important subjects, especially during a holiday period where people really start thinking about those things. So, yeah, that's why I had those to that idea in mind before I went in. That's great. So you've got the guest. Yeah. So then about getting the guest, did you just find them on social media and contact them or were there other ways like literary agents and the like? Yeah. So it really depends on the person. Some people have their own websites and so you can contact them directly through their website. But a lot of authors will have literary agents, especially the bigger they are, the more kind of sort of representation they have. So it's a much longer process. Some people it's easy to get to, but others, it can take months and months to organize those interviews. I've been really fortunate to speak to some amazing people. So obviously we spoke to the Nobel Peace Prize winner last year. And it, it took some time to organize that, but really determined to speak to her. And she was Iran's first female judge. So she was a very significant woman and she's in exile in London. She went through so much in terms of being imprisoned many times, having her entire family imprisoned. And so it takes time if you really want to get someone you really think will be good for that, for your podcast. So it's worth putting the legwork in, I think. You've mentioned another episode that I've listened to there. Oh, really? Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Loved that episode. So you've done that. So do you actually have a set structure that you go into, that you work to for each episode as well? Yeah, completely. It helps me because as, as I've mentioned, I have terrible anxiety when it comes to public speaking. So structures really help in terms of just managing how I do it. And also it just also saves time if you have a template. So I have a basic structure that, Every episode uh, we'll work through just an introduction. You hear other people's voices, the interview, and also then you go to the first book, second book, and then have the summary of each book. And so I think it's having that kind of structure is important because it also allows your listener to un know what's going to happen each episode. So there's no like spanner in the works suddenly. So they know what to expect each episode. So I, that's why I kept that kind of formula all the way through for gosh over 100 episodes now <laughs> so yeah I, I do much sim very similar as well and hence the points that i follow there i like to have a structure that i can fall yeah. back on and make sure that i hit the points that we need to hit exactly it, it does make a big difference especially with the interviewing side as well yeah i'd be too worried about going through the chat and thinking at the end i'll be thinking did i get every point that i needed to i don't yeah. know yeah exactly it would really exactly. worry me yeah, I, I agree. Because then 
there's the faff of oh having to go back and just being like oh can I ask you this but then it's never the same if you've it's off the audio so yeah not exactly the same thing but I had one once where I did an episode and I could only get hold of the guest for about 10 minutes at a time (gasps) because he fitted it in his lunch breaks oh wow because he, he makes his own films. He does his own podcast about films, but he also teaches film at college as well. Oh, wow. Gosh. So I fitted him in 10 minutes in his dinner break. I think during six dinner breaks and had to piece it together from six different 10 minute My God, segments. that's, that is, that's impressive. That's some good editing as well. If you have to edit up uh, six, 10 minute segments, my yeah. God. And exactly. have that continuity, that flow when you're speaking to someone as well. So essentially, we'd go to like question one, two, and three, maybe. And then I'll be like, okay, I'll speak to you in a few days and we'll do four, five, and six. <laughs> that's so strange. Gosh. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, I think that's impressive. If you can get back into the mindset as you're speaking, then that's great. Uh, because otherwise, you have to do the whole introduction again each time, which is quite difficult in 10 minutes. Very difficult. Yeah. Hey, this is Ross, Simon, and Thomas from Who Takes the Socks Off podcast, the show that answers the questions you didn't even know you needed the answers to. You're listening to Marv, the one-man podcasting machine on Pods Like Us. Structure, then recording and editing. So I'm guessing you do Zoom or something similar? I use Zencarder. So for the first couple of, so for the first season, I use Zoom. And then I started to switch into Zencast. I found the having the separate audio streams are really useful. And also just in terms of video editing and things like that, having the two separate videos are really useful for me so I can edit them into a nice kind of template, essentially. So that's, and I found the audio quality have been a little bit better as well. So I'm like, it is not without its flaws, of course. There are many times where suddenly the server will just stop and just, oh God. But I always have Zoom as a backup, though, for everything, just in case it doesn't work. I, I am planning on going to possibly go into Zencaster later, uh, because the other two shows that I'm a part of, they use Zencaster. And oh. like you said, having a clean feed with those is a lot better. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it, it definitely helps, I think, just because I think Zoom is, is great for, like, when especially when I started off Zoom was really useful because it was easy to use and it's usually without any technical difficulties which a lot of these other ones run into but then when we finally switched I could hear the the clarity and see the clarity a bit better with Zencaster so it's like okay I'm just going to make the switch so yeah (laughs) recording and then editing what do you use to edit ah so I have quite a few so I'm quite old school still with audacity because it's easy to use but i run everything through an adobe audition and then also i use adobe podcast now which i absolutely love it is an absolute game changer for me because it's ai cleaning and it just does such an immaculate job and i no longer have to use like guys to do the cleaning for me if it takes too long and i don't have enough time because I used to manually do the cleaning, which was a very long process. and But now it's just a total game changer. It cleans it so quickly. So I was like, oh, this is fantastic. So yes, that's for the audio side. But I use Premiere Pro for the for the videos. So I'm taking notes of what you've just told me there. Oh, really? Yeah, Adobe I'll... Podcast. It's brilliant. 
And the other one is Premiere, what's that? Premiere Pro, so Adobe Premiere Pro. It's their, the video package they use. Okay. That's going to be really interesting for people watching me leaning over and taking notes. Yeah. No, that's great. I'm, I'm glad that's helping somewhat. Have a look into them. Let's see what I can do. Um, if, if anyone's interested with Zencaster, one of the shows that we do, we get free Zencaster use because you, if, if you promote Zencaster, yeah. <laughs> They offer you a free package. I go, that's like the reason why I joined the Zencaster Creator program because I was like, yes, free Zencaster. That's great. So, yeah, it's totally worth it. It's totally worth it doing it. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Even if it's not free, everything that you've got on there, that's why I'm thinking of moving over to there is because everything you've got on there, including all the additional editing aids, yeah. and that, that really helps a lot. Definitely. And especially if you're not used to editing, then you really do need those kind of additional sort of support. I was quite lucky because obviously I used to edit at work. I had those kind of basic skills. So I'm not great, but I, I can do like the basics. But and so it, it's just useful having those extra bits if they can do it as far quickly as possible. That's true. So we're recording editing and then you've got sound and logo sound. You've got some maybe musical clips in there yeah. as well, which, wh wh where are they from? And then you've got that great logo as well. <laughs> yeah, Gina, it's, it's really funny. So the sound, so the, this season in particular, I changed the sound. I, because I ran into an issue where I'd had free sounds that I'd found and then YouTube was flagging it as a copyright issue. So I was like, okay, I can't use that anymore. So I went to Fiverr and got someone to record me a new tune. And so it's completely like my tune now, which is, yeah, it, it, I think loads of people do that. And it just gives it a little bit of, I think, uniqueness in a way. And I'm a guitarist, so I asked for guitars. So that's partially why the, it, that is the music is what it is. And, and then the logo itself was something I designed because... I was looking to color schemes as well, and I was realized that ye light yellow tends to be like a very positive color. And then I noticed that actually a lot of sort of tech and things like that tend to be blue. And so I wanted to some kind of like something to offset that constant blueness that we see. So I have this sort of slightly happy, cheerful, light yellow color for my logo. And then basically I was like, okay, if we're talking about how to be, then we're going to have some really simple logo where we can see someone thinking. And that's where the head with the dots came in, which is why there is an ellipsis even in the name of the podcast. That's great. That's great. You're right, though. Having, having yellow is very positive and it's like the smiling face picture emoji. That's yellow, which is happy. Exactly. And I think that's it, the association with it, isn't it? I'm like... I was like, you've got to find the right hue of yellow because it could be really in your face otherwise. But I was like, go for a really calm, muted yellow should make people feel a little bit calm and positive and happy. Well, the Vitaline adverts with the sun always used to make people smile. Exactly. Exactly. Sunny aging <laughs> ourselves here. I oh, don't tell me about it. Hey, this is Jeff Cummings from the Best Song Podcast the show that is telling the stories of every song nominated for the Academy Award. You're listening to Pods Like Us. 
I hate asking this next next question because it's always one of those that's a bit loaded in a sense. Are, are there any episodes that stand out to you? <laughs> oh, it's always tricky, isn't it? Because each episode's so different. Okay, uh, the ones that I'm thinking of just recently, for no particular reason, but just sticks in my mind right now, is Dr. Catherine Mannix, who wrote the book With the End in Mind. She is one of the top palliative care specialists. And she talks about being honest and open about death and it's such a sort of loaded subject for so many people and no one wants to talk about death because people feel so uncomfortable around it but it's inevitable for everyone and so she had she was really honest about it which I really liked because I asked her a question as one of my bonus questions which was what do you think of assisted dying because this is in parliament this is a very big topic but she was really honest about it. And I liked her response. She's a doctor. Of course, she's taking the Hippocratic Oath. And this is all very important. But she said, if we don't have honest conversations about dying, then none of those debates mean a thing. She said, if we, the basic thing is we need to start being comfortable with the idea of death before we even talk about, oh, shall we have assisted dying? And I was like, that's very true. And so she talks about death cafes and these fascinating kind of things that have transpired from these conversations. And so, yeah, so I, I, at the moment that's been on my mind, but there's been just, I've just been really fortunate to meet so many amazing people, I think, through this journey that it's so hard to pick one, but Borna Bell is one in particular from the first season. She's a journalist. Her husband unfortunately took his life and she talks about basically learning to live outside of this but she found strength in becoming a power builder power wrestler which I thought was fascinating because women very rarely talk about physical strength there's a lot of talk about emotional strength but we very rarely talk about how physically our bodies can be so strong and especially if you think women are carrying like children a baby in their stomach for nine months and it's basically draining them of everything and but that's all we associate with women and then we don't talk about all the later facts of life so menopause and things like that so she writes this amazing book called stronger and it really makes you think about the body and so i found that really fascinating as well but yeah i've been again quite lucky to have so many sort of interesting conversations with so many interesting people so it's hard to pick sometimes yeah, I've, I've got the same problem. If somebody asked me, I'd be thinking, oh, God, how, how could I pick one or two episodes out of over 160 episodes yeah. that I've done? Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone's so different as well. So it's just fasc fascinating. That's another one of the things that I like about it is because we're both similar in that way as well, because my guess, my subject is different every week. Yeah. Every time I speak to somebody, it's a different subject. So it's. It's tricky that way as well, because, but also interesting, because then we're talking about a different subject, which is, which keeps it flowing essentially. It's getting yeah. my brain working, really. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, I'm the same. It just, it puts things into perspective as well, I find, just because it's, sometimes you can get inside your head quite a lot, especially when you're, as you say, if you're a remote worker like I am as well, it's really easy to just fall into that, to that, like, I'm inside my head all the time. So it's really nice sometimes when you're working or talking with someone else and then suddenly they just take you somewhere else. 
So I find that really interesting. I get more interested in subjects the more shows that I listen to as well. I'll listen to them. Ah. It's a lot of the time, like yourself, because you're interested in the subject, I think that pulls a listener in more because your interest in the subject shines through the way that you make the show and you put yourself whole 100% into the show. I think a lot of the time it's the presenters that pull the people into that subject and make them more interesting, essentially. Yeah, I completely agree with you because the thing is, I think that's what podcasts have done, really. It's really personalised that relationship where in the past you had the radio, you had TV and things like that, but podcasts is just like maybe one level more closer to the listener because there are so many and each one is made with the listener in mind. So when you're listening, it's because you really want to be there. And so it's really interesting. You're right. It's just, it's so different to the the other previous mediums. And I think you're right. You have to be really interested in your subject to put so much effort and so much heart into it because it is a full-time job in itself. It really is. This is Mac Jackson from the Forever Adventure Network, the home of the MacGyver podcast, the Never Gets Old podcast, and the MacGyver SG-1 audio series. And you're listening to Pods Like Us. Going from answering the question there about standout episodes, so what would be your go-to how your go-to how-tos? A word of that nicely. Mm-hmm. So the the books or or such media that you've that you like or that have stood out to you that you've really enjoyed reading or you know yeah yeah there's a couple of things that will always stick in my mind. Some classic ones is like James Clear's Atomic Habits, which is like really just a really good way to get your brain into sort of, okay, get get into a habit. This is a really easy way of doing it. And so he puts it really nicely. So it's just so easy to digest without feeling really overwhelmed, which is what happens a lot when when it comes to goal setting. So yeah, that's a really good one. But I find Susan Cain's books so wonderful because she is an introvert, just like I am, just like so many podcasters are. And she just writes about the power of introversion, which I think is just beautiful. So she has the book Quiet, which is just wonderful because it's like the quiet power of introverts. And the other thing she's written more recently is called Bittersweet, which is just utterly wonderful. She is a Leonard Cohen fan, just like I'm a Leonard Cohen fan. And she talks about the beauty in melancholia and the fact that we should actually embrace melancholia, which I think is just wonderful because that's the kind of music I do like as well. Yeah. So there's a couple of books that will always stick in my mind as, okay, go to books. It's totally worth reading. It will uplift you in some way or shape or form. You're similar to me, but very different. My other old, Louise doesn't like songs that are a bit sad and a bit morose, but yeah. I what? So, for instance, when I went to go and see Paul McCartney live oh. in Birmingham a number of years ago now, number one, the tickets were expensive. But number two, she was saying things like, yeah, but Let It Be and Hey Jude are a bit a bit sad and I don't want to be listening to those songs. <laughs> oh, my God, are you kidding? Yeah. Those are like classics. Oh, God. Uh, you know, it, it, your, your partner is the same as my partner because he is the biggest, like, Mariah Carey fan and... He loves Whitney Houston and Madonna, and I'm not at all. I, I'm more like, yeah, exactly. I like 
the the beauty and melancholy as well. Absolutely. That's why our guitars just to the side of me out of shot. Oh, seriously, I've got my I, I've six had... guitars behind over there. I've got six of them in a stand at the side of me, along with the mandolins, ukuleles, oh, bass guitars. There's a electronic keyboard to the right. Electronic keyboard there. to my front. <laughs> and behind me are boxes with all sorts of percussion and some drums and all sorts of other things. I got my cajon over there. So, yeah, I've got all my instruments around. My, my tambura is in the corner. Oh, see, my, uh, we, I've got a lot of instruments at my mother's house because we grew up with music. So there's yep. a sitar, harmoniums, tablas, they're all there. And I've, I've got a sarangi in, in storage as well. Oh, that's beautiful. It's such it's a lovely sound. Yeah. And again, melancholic sound. Very. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> top tips. Have you got any top tips for people keeping the positivity? Oh, gosh, it's, I know it's a tough time to keep positivity. It's very tough. But I think it's important to things like, I know it sounds so, so many platitudes and things like that, but it's really important to embrace the small pleasures and the small gratitudes every single day, even if it's so tiny. And because I think it builds up because it's so easy to build up all the negative. That happens all the time. So. Every day, think of something positive that's happened. It's so important because it's so easy to fall into despair, especially now. And so that's one thing. And the other thing I think is really important is, if I can just remember what, my train of thought, is I think, oh gosh, yes, my train of thought is starting to go completely You've got some it. water with you to drink. Yeah, gosh, yeah, Jesus, I had it just in my mind just before. That's so annoying. Have some water and take a moment. Oh, God, it's so annoying when this happens. Yes, that's it. Thank you. Yeah. Service to others. Service to others is so important because, again, we all, it can, it's so easy to just become very solitary and think the world and you're alone and things are really bad. Helping someone else makes such a massive difference just to even to yourself to other people and I think just the world will be a better place if we did more service for others yeah that's really vital I think that reminds me and this isn't is this really blowing my own trumpet I don't know maybe not oh who cares that, that with the that with the service to, for all the people before Christmas pulling away the curtain money isn't 100% great but before Christmas we went into town because we went in for a couple of jabs for something. Or I went for a jab for something. And while we are in town, I noticed somebody selling the Christmas issue of Big Issue. Ah, yeah. Okay. So rather than actually buying the Big Issue itself, which is a bit big, and I thought, I'm not really going to read that so much. Mm. I noticed that it was cold that day and it wasn't particularly the nicest day at all. So instead, I walked up to the seller of the Big Issue and for those abroad who don't know, the big issue is sold to make money for the homeless. Mm. Okay. So instead of that, I walked up to the person that was selling them and I said to them, I said, what drink would you like? And got them the cup of tea that they asked for. I don't, did they take sugar? Yeah, they took sugar as well and milk. Made sure that I had it exact into what they'd asked for. So I bought her a hot drink, a large one as well. I think it was one of those larger ones about that size. Yeah. Almost a travel mug. Yeah. 
And so I bought that and then surprised her as well because I bought uh, cookies to go with it as well. Because my thought, my thinking there was the big issue is good and she does get a little bit of money from it. But in essence, I thought the hot drink and something to eat was probably more helpful to her considering that she's been out there selling this magazine all day. And it's, it was about two o'clock in the afternoon, I think. And, and I thought if she's been out there for even five, six hours, she'll want a hot drink and something to eat as well. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. Uh, it's so important. And like this is every year I try and do some level of fundraising. So basically last year, because I'm, I have a degenerative illness, so I have a form of MS. And so I can't hold pens or anything anymore. So I've, I started finger painting, big paintings, big canvases, and I sold them all and basically raised that money for charity. Um, for homelessness charity and every year I try and do something like that I'm, I'm really lucky because I'm on the board of lots of really great charities so Wheels for Wellbeing which is a disabled cycling charity I'm also an ambassador for BEAT which is the national eating disorder charity and I'm also a UN women delegate a delegate I try do service to people and I think one of the biggest things I'm doing now with the how to be books platform is I'm moving it in towards turning it into an actual platform and business so that I can hire disabled writers to start working and give remote work opportunities. Because I think at the moment, disabled people are being treated so terribly by the government. And so I want us to be part of our own solution, essentially. So that's really big. So I think it's great that you're, those small things make a big, big difference to people. Before anybody comes back to me about it and saying, oh, Marv, what are you doing? You should really be giving money to this. I have a monthly amount of money that comes out of my bank account for shelter, which is why I didn't get the big issue because I'm already giving to shelter once a month anyway. Brilliant. Shelter's great as well. So, yeah, I think that's so important. Homelessness is so on. It's just like catastrophic at the moment. So it's brilliant that it's a really important charity to support for sure. Especially with the financial situation it is at the moment, the amount of the fact that everything is going up so exponentially is making homelessness an even bigger problem than it was before. Yeah, absolutely. And this, the thing is that we're all like a hop, skip and a jump away from that situation. And so I think it's karma. That if we don't support that, who's to say it won't happen to us? Which is, a, I think, a reality a lot of people don't want to face. With all the bills going up and all the cost of living going up, it's and, and people's wages do not go up accordingly. No. It's terrible. Yeah, absolutely. So what advice would you give to people wanting to start their own podcast? Oh, it's a commitment. That's the thing. I think people need to understand that if you want to do this properly, you really have to commit time to it. And so... If you're going into it, be be aware of the fact that it's going to take some time. And if you're really passionate about it, then yeah, invest the time into it. You don't need that many skills or anything to get into it. Anyone can do it. But I think it's all about time. Absolutely. So what shows do you like to listen to yourself that are podcast? Oh God, you're going to, you're going to just think this is ridiculous. I listen to so much true crime. It's ridiculous. So I listen to obviously the, the classics, 
Untold Story, The Serial, all those ones, Laramie. But actually, I'm really interested in the Tortoise Media ones because they had some fascinating investigations, such as Sweet Bobby, which was about catfishing, which is utterly terrifying. And also the bizarre hoax one that they had, which I thought was really bizarre, but brilliant. And obviously now Sweet Bobby's been sold to, I think, Sky or Netflix. So it's actually going to become a documentary. It just shows the power of like really good storytelling as well. But then like I support all our indie podcasters as well. So I love our friend, uh, The Comfortable Spot, which I adore because there's some great, great people on those platforms as well that that's been interviewed. And then some of my, my other ones, which is how to be a better person is a good one. Yeah, I still can't believe Kate Hanley does an episode a day, which I still think is absolutely insane. So she's done something like 4,000 episodes or something insane, which I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how you're doing that. And then just in terms of book podcasts, there's just so many. Like NPRs, just brilliant. New York Times. And then, of course, there's Zibi books as well. So mums who love to, who don't have time to read is another one, which is a good one. So yeah, lots and lots of podcasts are on my list all the time. Okay. Thank you for speaking with me today. Thank you, Marv. That was great. Thank you. Where can people find you and get hold of you, Siswati? So the website is www.howtobe20.com. And then also I'm at all major social media platforms and all major podcasting platforms at how to be 24 7. Find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, etc., even TikTok. There you go. And for anybody listening, yes, I did miss that a bit at the end when I did the introduction 24 7, which is what I meant to say. How to be dot 27. <laughs> That's the podcast. It's a how to be books podcast, but it's unfortunately. Okay. Yeah, it's unfortunately 24-7 on all the platforms because everything else had been taken. We know how that is. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) You can find Pods Like Us on any streaming platform, uh, Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, anywhere really. And we can be found on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and threads and contacted through podslikeus at gmail.com. I'm also getting into trouble because I'm not promoting that this show is now also available for people to watch on Roku. So there we go. Anyway, thank you everyone for listening and hope you listen again to another episode of Pods Like Us. Thank you.